Hello and welcome to Navigating the Chapters of Challenge with Tele. Today I've got Dr. Taiwo Ajayindi um, with us and um, we're going to be talking about mental health, um, a topic that we don't talk about often. But I'm going to get um, Dr. Taiwo to introduce himself first and then we'll take it from there. Dr. Taiwo, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Uh, thank you for having me on the program. So I'm um, Dr. T. Ayadili Ajay and I'm a consultant psychiatrist uh, working in the NHS and I'm also a fellow of the Royal College of Psychiatrists and um, in, out of the NHS I run the Tripart Clinic in a Wellbeing Club which is a space, safe sensitive space for church people to discuss mental well-being in a way that is aligned with our faith and in a way that is aligned with science. Okay, that sounds interesting. And um, I just wanted us to start by talking about mental health itself. What exactly is mental health? What can we classify as mental health? Because these days you hear people talk about everything and they go, oh, mental health, mental health, mental health. It seems like it's now the fad. But what exactly can be classified as mental health? Yeah, I, I like that question because it's really the crux of the matter. Because the reality, as you say, is that everybody talk about mental health these days and mental health means several things to several people yeah but a good way to look at it is to look at what the who the world organization says about mental health and okay and break that down in a way that is relatable to the man on the street who is living in the 21st century okay so according to the world health organization they say that mental health is a state of well-being okay so that's one thing that mental is part of our global global health as individuals. So it's a state of well-being in which an individual is able to fulfill their potentials. So that's so that's one of the indices that in, when we have good mental, we're able to fulfill our potential. Okay. We're able to deal with the stressors of life. Mm-hmm. Life does happen. All sorts of things happen. Yeah. And part of our mental is to be able to deal with that and to be able to work productively and to then also be able to contribute to community. Okay. So those are the key, key, key things we look at when you are looking at mental health. Really. Okay. So to be able to fulfill your potential, really. Yeah. Yeah. Deal with stresses, Deal of, with life stresses of life. And also be able to contribute to community. Mm. But then why is there a stigma associated with mental health? Because yeah, once you mention mental health, people are like, oh, what's that? <laughs> why is there that stigma? very brilliant question because the reality is that all of the things i've just described now are positive things and the the, the way the way it's, it's out of um, the fact that people are also knowledgeable about mental we are very aware of our physical health okay um, if for instance somebody says that they've had a fracture we know that they've broken the bone if okay. somebody says that they've had a heart attack we know that their hearts are as, as uh, the blood vessels in their heart has had a problem yeah. if somebody says they've had a stroke we know it's something to do with their brains mm-hmm. but when people say they have a mental problem like depression or anxiety or even or even psychosis people begin to wonder where is that we can't see it mm-hmm. so really uh, that's part of the problems that men- mental health is not necessarily a bad thing okay um there's good mental health and there's poor mental health yeah so the stigma addressing your question actually comes from a lot of ignorance and a lot of myths that people have about mental health and mental well-being. 
Yeah. We, are, we already have a preconceived idea, a preconceived notion that sadly has been festered in the past by bad press. Yeah. But thankfully, that's changing now. Yeah, that's changing. Okay. But then in the church, we don't talk about mental health. The church don't kind of it. hides under, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's fear or I don't know exactly what it could be, but we just don't talk about it. Why? Why don't we talk about it? I, I defy a bit on that opinion. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't hear about I, it I, in I, church. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I'll tell you why. The reason I'll tell you why is because I'm looking at a longitudinal view. Okay. So the first time I ever spoke to a church community ever, yeah. about mental health was 21, 22 years ago. Wow, okay. And over the time I've been speaking, engaging with churches, engaging with Christian organizations, charities, and what I've seen is that COVID lockdown was a tipping point. Okay. Up until then, church leaders, pastors, deacons, uh, board of elders were not so embracing. There were a few outliers who are really embracing, who are forward thinking about mental health and mental well-being. Mm. However, when COVID hit, and it, it's almost like it was a wake-up call, yeah. and ever since then, I think things are changing. It, it, it's, still, it, it's still not common practice. More and more, I, I'm getting to see that. I think we are beginning to see in church that mental health is part of our well-being. Just like we have physical well-being, we have spiritual well-being, we also yeah. have emotional well-being. And yeah. that's part of the things we need to talk about. So things, we are not where we need to be, yeah. but we are way, way ahead of where we were 22 years ago when I got involved. Okay. But, okay, when you say it's changing, in what ways is it changing in the church? Give me practical examples, because I personally Absolutely. have not seen. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, thank you for asking that. Because So, for, for instance, the reality is that there is hardly any week um, the last three years, there's hardly any week or two weeks in a row that I either don't speak to a church leader or speak to um, or actually um, be on a Zoom call or physically go into a church building to, in between all of those um, uh, to talk about mental health. Okay. So looking at my diary, I, I feel that things have changed compared to what it was like before. We are, like I said, we are not where we need to be yet. There's okay. still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um, there are still people who are very traditional about our view of mental health. Yeah. But I, I think things are changing. It's going to take time for that to really impact everyone. Everyone. But I'm hopeful. I live in hope. Okay. <laughs> we should live in hope. Um, so when you go for those kind of um, meetings or when you talk to them on Zoom, what kind of topics come up? Is it things like anxiety, depression, stuff like that? Do they come up in those discussions or what exactly do you talk about? So we will usually talk about what is mental health. Okay. So we usually talk about the fact that really our mental health is not something to be, to be alienated or to be separated from our, our spiritual health. Okay. Because it's because we see things in silos. We think, oh, it's mental health. So it's got nothing to do with your spiritual well-being. Yeah. But that's not what spiritual says. I mean, I, I'm not sure how much you, you want us to go into that. But I don't mind. This is a Christian yeah. um, program. So we'd love scriptures. Good. So, so we're on the same page on that. Yes. Now, there are two scriptures that I usually quote. One of them is First Thessalonians 5.23, uh, which talks about the 
may God preserve you, Holy Spirit, soul, and body yeah. um, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Spirit, soul, and body unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then there's third John, John 2. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prosper. Yeah. Those two scriptures refer to the fact that it refers to the soul, which is part of our total being. Mm. And if if the, 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 the Apostle Paul was concerned about the Thessalonians that they should be preserved spirit, soul, and body. Mm-hmm. So he was concerned about their spirit, he was concerned about their body, but also concerned about their souls. Yeah. And if third John 2 tells us about um, that, that our souls should prosper, then we are not then Christian leaders are, we don't have any excuse by shying away from addressing the needs of people's souls. And the other thing is that there's actually research. There was a research carried out by Kings Kings to give um hope. It's a Christian organization that looks spotlight mental health and mental well-being in the church. Yeah. What they actually found is that a lot of church people, I think it was over 50% of church people who said that they, they interviewed, they said that they've actually um, encountered mental problems in their lives. But the, the thing they find challenging is that church leaders never address the issue. They never talk about it. And so they feel their total needs are not being met. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So um, what are the symptoms of a mental health situation with somebody? For instance, if somebody was having a mental health issue, how would I, as a layperson, know? What are the symptoms that one would see? In terms of, like I said earlier, that when somebody has a physical problem, we look at where the physical problem is. We look at the heart, we look at the brain, we look at the legs, muscles. We know when somebody says they have a thyroid problem, for instance, we know that it's, it's right in front of their neck. Yeah. When we, and that's the, the issue with mental problems, because people are depressed, you can't see, they, they still, there's nothing that you can see apparently on them. Their legs still look normal, mm. their head looks normal, mm. everything about, so yeah, that's the, where the problem is. So where do we look? There are three areas to look when we are looking for mental problems. Okay. Okay? And that, those are where the symptoms manifest. The first thing is the area of thinking. Okay. The second is, is the area of feeling or emotion. And the third is the area of behavior. Okay. So those are the areas to really look out for. So so there are common things that, that are pervasive that sort of commonly occur when there are mental problems. One of them is that there'll be there'll be distortion in thinking. And that includes anxiety, depression. All of them have um, an association, psychosis, any form of mental problem. As mainly as um, some distortion in the form, in the way of thinking. Mm-hmm. For instance, depression, there will be feelings of hopelessness, worthlessness, helplessness. It's almost like the life becomes so difficult that everything, every every challenge becomes unsurmountable yeah. in the mind. Yeah. But in terms of emotions, there will be sadness, and and for instance, for depression, there is a classical way the sadness occurs. It's not the normal type of sadness that people have after they, they miss that they've not got a job interview or they've had some sadness. It's an unremitting sadness. It's just there and it doesn't shift. Okay. What tends to happen is people feel sad first thing in the morning and they feel rather than when you wake up and you say, Oh, thank God it's another day, they mm. say, Oh, God is another day. Oh, dear. Mm. Because life, you just get out of bed and you think, Oh, wow, have I got to face another day? Mm. And as the day wears on, that person begins to feel that maybe it's doable. Their mood lifts, mm-hmm. and uh, but 
come tomorrow again is the same repeated pattern when that has repeated for two weeks then that person uh, has, has symptoms that are sufficient enough to qualify for depression the other things would be low energy for okay. no apparent reason but you are not you are not exhausted you just feel, you just feel low on energy and then the other hallmark which is really key is loss of interest and enjoyment in the pleasures of life okay life just feels like somebody is eating sand in their mouth mm. Mm. just life loses all its luster loses all its meaning loses all its it's just like the, the person who is a die-hard football addict the person who likes to listen to worship music the person who enjoys fellowshipping with people they just they just lose they just lose interest in all of those things the grandmother who whose life is our grandchildren cannot just stand the noise of children when they're around there mm. because they are depressed okay but you know this thing depression a a lot of people who say they're depressed they're depressed so from what you've just said now, it's only if that situation that you've described has gone on for a long period of time that we can then classify so it as depression. Is that what, is that, that's my understanding? Am I right in that? Yes. So so before you can say that somebody is depressed, their symptoms must have persisted for two weeks two and weeks. they must have at least one, two or three of these core symptoms okay. in terms of that type of low mood. Where When they wake up in the morning, their mood is so low, but as they wear so their mood becomes better. No energy which is not associated with exhaustion of any form and then lack of interest in life. The other things that would then go with it would be falsely. There is what we call early morning awakening, where people wake up first in the day, but where people wake up two hours earlier than they usually wake up and they can't go, go, go to sleep again. Not because they, are, they, are, they want to catch up on some work they need to do, but and that passes all of the time. Yeah, their sleep becomes disturbed, appetite goes, um, sometimes people lose weight. People lose all their interest in other activities of life. They could go off their, their marital responsibilities. They could poor concentration, poor motivation, and the thinking pattern of helplessness, hopelessness, and worklessness. They just feel life is bleak. Mm. People describe it as going through a dark tunnel without light at the end of the other tunnel. Mm. And the other thing to note very importantly is that depression is 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 a is a uh, is, is a medical condition you okay. know sometimes in church i hear people say pull up your socks yeah just get your right just, yes. um, uh, get on just with trust it god just get on with it mm, uh, it is well together. <laughs> but, but but the reality is that if somebody came to church and they said oh they've just been diagnosed i mean this thing happened they've just been diagnosed with diabetes we are not going to say get on with it we are yeah. going to encourage them to to look at their dietary needs to make sure that they don't eat the things that they shouldn't be eating we are going to encourage them to take their medication, but whilst they are still praying, I mean, I, I absolutely believe in the power of prayers. So yeah. I, I want to be balanced there. I yes. believe that God God touches men. I believe that God transforms men. It does. But I also believe that um, that He also sometimes uses me, me, medicine to to make our lives better, and medical science to make our lives better. Yeah, yeah. As uh, so I want to pick up on what you just said. You said, for instance, if somebody had diabetes, they would tell the person what to do and how to get on with it. So if somebody yeah. ha- came to you and it's obviously the person is depressed, what are the things you would ask that person to do? What kind of solutions? That's a very brilliant question. The, the, the first instance is, um, one, I, I would want to speak to them and find out a lot about their own life. Okay. Um, so and what are that for? Because usually when people are depressed, 
they might have been they might have added risk to depression, but there's something that tips them over. Okay. The housing problems, the financial problems, the work related stress, the marital problems, domestic violence, all of those things, problems with their children, or even immigration. There are lots of people who are jackpying at the moment. Yeah. And a lot of them are coming into circumstances that are really very hard that mm-hmm. they need to prepare for. Yeah. And I'm I'm already beginning to hear about people who are becoming who are becoming depressed or having mental problems because yeah. what they anticipated when they were living their own country is different. So what am I going to tell them? Mm. So in the first instance, we want to look at their lifestyle and see what are the things that we can do differently. Okay. Uh, that's one. We want to try and introduce structured activities. For instance, exercise is one of them. Yeah. Uh, exercise is very very important. Uh, there is lots of lots of research supporting exercise. I want people are depressed; they don't want to leave their beds, mm. or they don't want to leave their home. Yeah. So, structuring exercise into their daily life is very important, but also interaction, because what happens with depression is that you need to do something that is against the grain. Yeah. Um, it's not natural. You wouldn't naturally want to go out, but when you when you go out, you find out that socializing does help. Mm. So that's that. I would also um, encourage them to look at their diets because that's also very important um, in terms of we do know that um, high calorie diet is not good for any mental condition. Okay. Um, so we are looking at a very be- be- balanced diet. Um, yes. Um, a cycle, uh, the, the, the impact of diet on mental well-being is, is a is a, it's fairly new, but it's a growing area of interest. We have people actually say now that one of the ways to manage your mood is to manage your diet. Okay. Because really, at the end of the day, mental health is brain health. Yeah. The health of your brain determines the brain, the, the health of your mood mm. and the health of your feelings. Mm. Okay. Uh, and of course, the other thing I would also teach them, which is important, is the, to be conscious about the things they dwell on and then they meditate on. Okay. When this just says in Romans 12, 1 to 2, and uh, that has a man, Romans 1, 12 to 2, that which will, which will be transformed by the reading of our mind, and the Bible also says that uh, whatever things in Philippians 4 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and people report, think on this thing. Mm. Science is now bearing that out that actually that is very important. Mm. The things we think about, the things we dwell on. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So you also said something now that I found quite interesting. You said carbohydrate, high carbohydrate. Diet is not good for so, mental health. So, so, so basically, high calorie. You know, sweets, fast foods, and all that. For instance, children, people who have who, who, who um, have parents who have children with ADHD, they usually yeah. encourage them not to allow their children to to have these sugar rushes. Yeah, because sugar rushes will be um, they become more active. So really, uh, um. A diet that is high in fiber, that is high in, in um, that is balanced with protein, that um, that is high in um, vegetables and um, fruits, is is um, more favorable towards um, something like the Mediterranean diet, for instance, is more favorable towards um, like a healthy mental mental well-being. But I find that really um, strange because you find when a lot of people when they're down, they go to the shop. And they buy a uh, a pack of chocolate, and they eat uh, it, and they're happy. So <laughs> <laughs> for how long? <laughs> so I wouldn't have thought that that would that's I mean that helps makes you happy, doesn't it? So it should improve yeah, your mood for, for, for a short period. Okay, just for, for a, a short very period. short period. Okay, for a very very short period. 
Okay. Um, and it, that's a valid point you make because it's also known that we also do know that sometimes what what tends to happen is that we can use some things to try and lift our mood, mm. and 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 they can be very detrimental. Some of the common things that people use that are damaging on the long term will be things like alcohol, illicit mm. substances, and sugar. Mm. It, it is actually true that when people are depressed or when we are not in the right place in our mood, there is something in us that wants to quickly lift those that that mood, and so sugar craving is part of the case. Yeah. Uh, when people are stressed, particularly, they turn to sugar yeah. or very high calorie diet, which is not particularly helpful. So, um, I want to go back to this depression thing again. Just bear with me because it's, it seems like it's something that's just on my heart. I was listening to a story today of um, an artist, a gospel artist, and she was saying that um, there was a period she was going through, this dark period in her life, and um, she would go out there, minister to people, and everybody would be excited and happy, and they'd be blessed, and she would go back to her room, and she would hide under the covers for days, you know. And then in within a matter of days, she's out again, and she's looking very bright and excited, And but nobody knew what was going on with her. Mm-hmm. For somebody like that, how would you help that person? Because it kind of seems like it was a cycle. She was going through a cycle of, one minute she's really excited and happy to be out there leading people in worship and then she goes back into her own room and she's crying for days and so for somebody going through that kind of situation how what would you say how would you help that person i'm happy you asked that question because it, it's opening up a really very important conversation and that's the assumption that we make as society because that because somebody looks like they're high profile yeah and they're on top of their game that they don't have mental problems mm. so that that's really very key yeah in terms of how to help that person the challenge is that that's why we need to associate as community as church the more interested in deeper relationships with the people who are in their lives mm-hmm. It's important for us to have confiding relationships, people that you can really tell, one, two, three people in your life, that when it comes to the crunch, you can really tell the way it feels to you. Mm. The way really down, when, when you, when, there must be people in our lives, we can't, we can't have 10 people like that. No. If we have 10 people like that, then it's trouble. Yeah. But there must be at least one, two or three people that we can really say, them the way it mm. feels and we can also trust that they will not betray our confidence yeah so in terms of how can you help that type of person we cannot help that type of person until we know what's going on for them okay and we will only know what's going on for them when they have confiding relationships where they can and if that then happens we can then support them through some of the things i spoke about um encouraging them even taking them out uh exercising with them, um, mm. also supporting them to engage with mental services. When, when I, I know in church, people get that challenges uh, because mm. the, GP, the, the GP is the primary provider. They, they are the ones that, that are the first part of call. And just speaking to their GP and letting the GP know what's going on is really the first step towards getting help. Okay. It's so funny you said um, speak to somebody who's close to you um, for that person. But in her story, apparently the, her cousin who lived with her moved out because she couldn't deal with it anymore. And this was somebody she felt she could confide in, but she moved out. So it's, 
<laughs> so I think that, it's, that, it's hard sometimes. It's hard and it's sad, but but I, I want to give a I want to give a, a different view of that story. Okay. Because interestingly, uh, less than a week ago, was it Monday or Tuesday? I was on a radio interview, uh, which was it was actually in Nigeria, FM Oweri. Okay. And and. Somebody during that radio interview was speaking about mental problems, uh, depression, and all that. Somebody rings in during that interview, and they say and they emphasize it's like they just really say. It. In fact, they said it better than I could have said it. Okay. Because they were bringing a real life story into the room. Yeah. What they said was that they had sadly been widowed. Um, they were they, they had lost their their wife and they had lost four children all in one blow. Oh dear. And they said. Yes, that was quite, that must have been extremely traumatic. Yeah. Uh, very hard. But the, and they said they became suicidal to the point in which they didn't think they wanted to carry on. Mm. But they had a friend who stopped by them. Mm. Mm. And that, that was their lifesaver. So the, mm. point, the point I'm trying to make is that, yes, there might be people, that, that is, is, is about choosing who you confide in, isn't it? Yes, and sometimes it is. it, it's really. There are still people, good people out there. Yeah. There are still people who, where you confide in, they will stick with you mm-hmm. and go through the trenches with you. Or yeah. do you imagine the other yeah. side? So the, my, 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 for my, um, what I would like to pass on to that person is, hang in there. Um, it, it, you can still find people that you can confide in. Mm. So let's move on. How do you maintain mental your mental um, well-being? Apart from exercise, like you said, socializing with people, what else can one do to maintain so, good mental health? So we've talked about diet, and of course, the other thing is sleep is a superpower. Okay. I want to say that again. Sleep is a superpower. Okay. Good sleep hygiene, good sleep habits are very important because it's, it's when we sleep that our brain recovers from all the stress of the day, from all the... And literally, when we sleep, the brain actually cleanses itself. Mm-hmm. literally that that's what happened so sleep is very important uh we've talked about but the other one i want to emphasize which can be a two-edged sword is social media okay limiting and controlling monitoring our social media time a lot of social media has brought a different it's brought a different life into our lives if so if, if, if that's that's the best way i can say yeah uh, and and there, there are there is research showing that um, excessive social media time, particularly among young girls and also among young boys, and generally has been associated with depression, mm. has been associated with poor body image, anxiety, and suicidal behavior. Mm. So mm. excessive social media time is not good for anyone, yeah. and that that that's something else to 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 keep an eye on. Mm. And of course, the other thing is engaging in something outside your normal work. Something that gives you pleasure. Yeah. Um, that sadly there are a lot of people who work jobs that they 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 have to go to, not because they enjoy going there, but no. because it pays the mortgage and it pays the bills. Yeah. So it's important to find something outside of work that makes you tick. It yeah. could be music, it could be yeah, whatever it is. Mm. Something something else to look forward to, more or less. Something that gives you pleasure, something that you do. It could be football, it could be sports, it could be sewing, it could be knitting, mm. it could be a, a ballet, it could be opera, it could be going to this, whatever I think. Okay. But something, some people is for some people is volunteering. Yeah. But there mm. must be something else, and sometimes as believers as well, we are guilty of that. 
the only thing that that is in our lives is church. And yes. Work. Yes. <laughs> You've just nailed it. Just church. We go to church. We go to work. We come back home. End it. of story. And yeah. all the friends we have we are in church, and that's it. Yeah. So, so our, our social, our social network is so narrow, and and we don't. There's nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that. I mean, I'm I'm not knocking church. I, I'm talking to myself. So. <laughs> I love church. <laughs> I love church so, too, so, sir. Church yeah, is good. I'm, I'm so, yeah, so I'm not knocking church. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying that it's important for us to be balanced, and that it's also important for us as believers to be well informed and to be rounded. Yes, we rounded. we are guilty of um, paying attention to our spirits, paying attention to our bodies. When it comes to our soul, we just think, oh, it's the flesh, but mm-hmm. it's not just the flesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the soul is important as well to be nourished. Okay, can I say something a bit? It may be a bit controversial, but I think that sometimes oh. the pastors as well don't allow the congregation to have time to do other things. There's one meeting after the prayer meeting, this one meeting cell group, this one meeting here and there. So people don't even have time. Where is the time after work when you to do any other thing, or on Sunday to do any other thing? Or Saturday, there's another meeting somewhere in church. So you can't really do anything extra. Am I <laughs> am I making sense of no, what I'm saying? Because I think sometimes no we... Point. Yeah. So we need to work on that. We need to address... I think the churches need to begin to address things like this and give people room to do other things and not make them feel... Um, what's the guilty. word now? Guilty for not coming yeah. for all the church meetings. Yeah. Yeah, you are right. Um, I mean... So, Thankfully, that that's also something that I think people are we are beginning to catch up on. I mean, for instance, the the, the church where I attend, uh, we are really very um, careful about that. Yeah. In terms of not just um, overburdening people with program from uh, from one program to the other every day of the week. No, it, it, that's something that that leadership is conscious of, mm. and, and I think it's it's something that everyone can emulate. Really, that people. Yeah. Going to church 20, 20 times in a day or going to church seven days a week would not, it's probably not going to be healthy for us. Yeah. It's not good for family life either, anyway. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take you back to something you said about sleep as well. Because, um, okay, take for instance a woman who's in, who's perimenopausal or menopausal yeah. because of the night sweats yeah. and all of that. 90% yeah. of the time, they don't get a good sleep. How does that? How would that affect their mental health? And how? How? What can they do really to help themselves? Because yes, they want to sleep, but their body is not allowing them to sleep. So the how many number of hours they need, they can't get. So how would you encourage such a person? What would you say to help such a person? That's a very important point you just raised because. Yes, very strong link between menopause because of the other things that are associated with it. It's not just the changes in the hormone. It's not just the physical symptoms, but also the, the psychological symptoms. Mm. The, 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 it's almost like it's a wake-up call. For, it's almost like this is midlife. And even the other things that come with it, uh, empty nesting. Yeah. Um, some people, that's when sadly people begin to lose their parents as well. So there's mm. quite a lot of changes that take place at, at that period. And the first thing I would say to that sort of uh, person, to, to that lady, is that help is available. Okay. Uh, it's important to seek help to start with from the general practitioner because really some people are, um, I know that African women, black women, 
the, the stereotype of the black woman is that she's a tough person who can yeah. crack anything. <laughs> and so society has put a lot of black or a lot of women into a box where they feel that they've always got to be strong yes. and to keep plodding on when in actual sense they're self-available. Mm. I think it's important to engage with the GP and discuss those things. It, it's, it's okay to take a charity if, 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 it's, if, if, it's, if the quality of life is so compromised. Yeah. Um, hormone replacement therapy. therapy and there are quite a number of other things to think about okay so the the, the, the point there is the long the, the short answer to that question will be please seek help seek help um, oh, yeah. yeah and okay so let's go on to mental health and men a lot of men don't <laughs> <laughs> now we are yeah. talking about uh, the elephant in the room yes the elephant in the room men <laughs> Especially African men, because those are the ones I'm no, used more to. used to. Don't talk about their health. Their men, they don't even talk no. about their health, general health in the first place, let alone their no. mental health. How do we address this? Good point. Really very important issue. You know, <laughs> I have a slightly different view. Okay. Because I agree with you that men don't, readily open up about our mental health. Yeah. But what I don't agree is that men don't talk. Okay. You know, the reality is that it's the stereotype of society that men don't talk. Okay. I have found that when the atmosphere is right, when men feel safe, mm. be able to expose the innermost thoughts of our hearts. Mm. To and so I think the question we need to be asking in ourselves, in church, in society, in black communities, and every community is this. How do we create safe, sensitive spaces where men feel open enough, feel comfortable and safe enough to start their mental? Mm -hmm. I think that's the question. Mm -hmm. And so thankfully, that, that, that's also... I, I, I think I'm an optimist. I'm a very hopeful <laughs> Yeah, you're very person. hopeful. It's good. <laughs> and, I, and I'm a man of faith. Yeah. So it, 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 I think the DAO is beginning to move in the right direction. It's it, it little micro steps. But mm. we are beginning to see where men are coming together now. People go fishing together. People go uh, doing physical activities together, football, um, uh, badminton. And it's really to create that sort of bonding between men where we can feel vulnerable enough, we can feel safe yet vulnerable enough to expose ourselves in that regard. And when I talk about mental health and men, because actually, interestingly, that this is the video I've done on, on my YouTube channel, Tripart Care. Okay. I've actually I've done it. Yeah, I've done a video on how to encourage men in your life to talk about their mental well-being. Okay. Um, it's it would be I've been uploaded within I think it was November November or October and I'll, I'll just quickly go through those principles now. So if you want to create a safe space for another man, if it's one man to the other to, to talk about their mental well-being, there are things you need to think about. One of them is authenticity. Okay. I call it the ABCD. Authenticity. A lot of people worry about, oh, I'm not a mental professional. I don't have mental first aid. I don't, um, I, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a pastor. So because of that, I, I'm not going to be professionally suited to be the one to talk to somebody about mental health. But the reality is that men, that's not what a man is looking for. A man is looking for another man or another or another person, another human being who is genuine, 
who is interested and is not judgmental. Somebody who can just listen to you and say, I feel your pain. Yeah. I might not know exactly the way it is. They are not looking for professional. It's not, it's not about the degree. It's about mm. the humaneness of that person. Mm. So that's one authenticity. And that's what we need to bring to that conversation. Mm. Because unfortunately, men, we are solution, we are solution givers. Mm. As soon as the, that other man opens your mouth, his mouth, you are already giving him 2,002 things he can do to sort yeah. out himself. Yeah. And that's not what he needs. Mm. So authenticity is one of them. The other one is really being um, to, to be um, to be to be disciplined. Yeah. And, and that discipline is really about sorry, to be brave. Bravery is B B is for bravery. Yeah. Bravery in two things. Brave to be able to ask the question. Um, there have been times in my life when I've asked just to to dare to ask about mental well-being. When in actual sense, I, I almost nearly thought that the answer was going to be no, just don't forget, don't, don't bother about it. Mm. But I'm glad that I did because okay. on some of those occasions, it had been a life lifesaver. Mm. Mm. So be brave to ask if you feel that we follow your We are men of the spirit, we have the spirit of God. And sometimes, if you just know somebody is not right, they have to ask. Don't, don't, don't assume. Ask, be brave. Mm. Don't assume. So mm. be brave. And, and that other, the other part of that bravery is to be brave enough to hold back yourself. One of the greatest forms of bravery is to be able to deal with ourselves. And that bravery is not to be able not to jump into conclusions and begin to give solutions to somebody who's just about to open up their mouth mm. to express themselves. Because if, as soon as they hear that, the shutters will go down again yeah. and that person will move on. Mm. Yet they will still be sore, they will still be traumatized, they will still have all those emotions that they are wishing somebody would give them an opportunity to discuss. So that's the bravery. The third one is confidentiality. And that's something that in our communities, in our black and church communities, we still have a lot of work to do on a that. A lot, a lot. A lot, lot, lot of work. Mm. A lot. Because people don't like to talk to others because they feel they become the prayer point and Absolutely. the gossip point. Absolutely. You know? and, and, and when that happens, they shut up. They just say, oh, yeah. Mm. So, so the way I talk about it is confidentiality. And, and this is when, when I have these conversations with men, and I do have a lot of these conversations with men, young adults, us. What I tell them is this, and, and that's what I feel that as a principle, we should all adopt. I will not break your confidentiality, even if you, if you are an adult or a young adult speaking to me. You will not, even if my your your parents was my best buddy. Uh, you are not going to hear anything. Your parents will not hear anything from me about what's going on for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to share with your parents, you can share it with them. Yeah. I will let them. You you share it with them, but they wouldn't hear it from me. Mm-hmm. That's one. So the only way. The only reason we will break confidentiality is if I feel that your life is at risk, yeah. i.e. being suicidal, or somebody else's life is at risk as a result of your mental, i.e. you are making homicidal, you are, you are talking about homicidal thoughts towards somebody else. Mm. And in that situation, we would both agree that we need to break confidentiality. Okay. We would have a joint plan. So that's the confidentiality. The part is the distraction. Mm. Distraction has to do with I, I, I cannot be spilling my guts to you and you are out on the phone, out on social media, out on the television, 
mm. and I'll forgive you to somebody else. I'm going to think this guy is also not interested even. Not interested. He doesn't. He doesn't understand. He doesn't get the magnitude of what probably doesn't even care. It absolutely, and and it's very. But distraction can be a deterrent to people opening up and wanting to um, wanting to share their lives and the, the things that are really the way it hurts them. The mm-hmm. other one is exchange. Exchange is really about if I want to, if I want somebody to feel comfortable enough to share their lives, particularly the, the very things that are deep, deep within the inner recesses of their hearts, I'm going to be willing to give away something of myself as well. Yeah. I need to let them know that I'm human and that I'm not a superhero. Yes. Um, because if they see you as the person who is arrived, who is everything about your life is together. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we should share the, the most intricate parts of our lives, but it's important that that man is also willing to do something anyway. Yes. If, I, if I find somebody struggling with challenges, for instance, in terms of maybe their career, I will usually share the difficult career journeys that I have had. That, look, everybody, these things happen to everyone. Mm-hmm. No one is in you. Yeah. And, and I think that sort of makes people relax and say, actually, maybe this person is touching. Maybe they are not somebody who's on the high horse. Oh. And the final one is friendliness. When somebody has shared, they, they become vulnerable, they feel themselves, they feel their inner most powerful uh, thoughts. It's important to say thank you to them. Yeah. Because they are taking a chance on you. They are really going out of their comfort zone, particularly if it's a black man. Yeah. It's thank you to them. It's important to appreciate that you you know they felt the confidence and you appreciate their words of confidence. It's important to then also let them know what their next steps. What do you want? Where do you want us to take this? Mm. Where do we go from? Mm. But important say thank you to them that you appreciate that they have taken themselves out of their normal comfort zone yeah, to speak with you. To speak with you. Okay, that's that's really, really um very great, very good. And um Maybe if you could just tell us where to find that on YouTube and we can go and look for that. Uh, before we go to that, um, I want to go back to bravery because when you were talking about it, something dropped in my spirit, which I think we need to talk about. And um, it's you, you said that... Um, oh, it's gone out of my mind now. <laughs> oh, what was it? It's just gone out of my mind. Oh, We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. The Holy Spirit to remind me about it again. Um, okay, tell us about the YouTube <laughs> channel first and hopefully it will oh, come back right. to me. Yeah. So it, it, I'm, I'm sure it will come back to you. So it's called Tripart Care. Tripart in terms of we are three, we are, we are, we, we are made up of three parts. Okay, Tripart Care. Okay. We are spirits, we have a soul and we live in a body. So it's Tripart. So Tripart Care addresses. And if you type in Tripart Care on YouTube, it will bring up. It will bring it up. Okay, yeah, it's come back to me now. So it's about um, the fact that, for me, I see that men generally would always jump to give um, advice, like you said, if somebody comes to talk to them, because that's how they're wired to give advice. So what I wanted to say was that maybe we need to start training our young young boys and our men. We need to start training them now to teach them. Like practitioners like yourself, maybe need to start teaching young men how to respond when somebody comes to them with stuff like that, so that people are brave enough to then come to them because they know, okay, you're not just going to ram down solutions down my head. You're going to actually take the time to listen. So maybe there's a need for that. It's just something that dropped in my spirit, and I thought maybe I'd discuss that with you. What do you think of that? 
I couldn't agree with you more. I'm I'm really, I'm jumping here. I'm feeling really, really excited. (laughs) 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 Really, really, it's bang on the money. And I'll tell you, absolutely. We we need to to encourage our young men and even our our adults as well. No matter we we are, no matter even we are, if we're 100 years old, we can still learn new things. Yes. To to not to jump to conclusions, not to not to always try to procure solutions when we haven't even listened. That's Mm. one. The other one is to help our young men, particularly even from our, from the time they are born, to let them know that it's okay for men to do emotions. Yes. That the fact that you feel emotions and that you have feelings does not mean you're less of a man. Mm. You know, in, in, in the place where I come from, which I think is the same place we come from, yeah. they say, <laughs> when something happens to a man, they will say, be a man. Be a man, yeah. So, so, so the, the the man has just had the most traumatic experience of his life. They say, pull yourself together. Don't cry. Mm. Just be a man. Chop mm. ring. Mm. And, and the reality <laughs> is that, that the, so from a very early age, from even before they could learn to spell their names, we are denying those boys of the access to be in touch with their emotions. Yes. We are teaching them that you are less of a man if you have any emotion mm. to show any iota of feelings. Mm. And that's why those people would then excel. They will excel in all their spares, all the spares of life. They are the best. They are on top of their games, but they don't do emotions. No. And suddenly they become middle-aged men. And we are thinking, oh, why, why, why is he finding? Well, he had been programmed from before, he, from as soon as he came into the cradle. He had been programmed to be like that. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, we're fast coming to the end of this show, and um, before we go. Um, do you have any word of hope that you could um, leave with the people? Any scripture, anything to leave with people out there who might be going through a difficult um, season, a mental health issue? So, so two, two things I would like to say. One of them is is that um, to anyone who is going through a difficult time at the moment, the scripture that comes to mind is that the Bible says, um, it's, it's in one of the Psalms, I can't readily bring it up now, but it says that he um, binds up the broken-hearted and he heals their wounds. Mm. So God is not only interested in our spirits and our bodies, but he's also interested in our souls. Yeah. And Psalm 23 says that he restores my soul. Yeah. So I want to give hope to, um, I, I want to borrow my hope to whoever is uh, listening today yeah. who is going through a very difficult patch. Um, please do ask for help. Yeah. Uh, reach out for help. Um, that, that's one thing I want to say. Um, please do ask for help and reach out for help. And the other one I want to say is to young people, um, they, after, during COVID and after COVID, the government surveyed um, the population generally. They wanted to look at our mental well-being and they found out that the mental well-being of young adults between the age of 18 to 35 was the most adversely affected out of all the population. Mm. And those are the people that we neglect the most. We think mm. they, are, they, are, they are good. They are millennials. They are yeah. Gen Zs. Yeah. They are, they, are, they are earning a lot of money and they are still living at home and they are poor. Mm. But the reality is they are not. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned something earlier that we need to teach our young people, young men, what to do, how to, how to uh, from the very, very start, we need to teach them. And that's one of the things we do at Tripart here. For okay. instance, um, every um, hour, um, we'll be running a course for mental, a mental course for young adults of Christian background, Christians, um, who are young adults between the age of 18 and 35 in March. Every Thursday in March is okay. on Zoom. We've, we've run it two or three times. We've run it twice before, and it's always very, very well um, embraced. It's free. 
So oh. people just need to um, to send an email to tripartia@gmail.com and okay. they will register for it and all the details will be available. Okay. Um, and I hope that that's a blessing to somebody. Okay. tripartia@gmail.com. gmail.com. Yes. Okay. Tripartia@gmail.com. Okay. And if anybody else wanted to get in touch with you, how else can they get in touch with you? Maybe they wanted to just so maybe have it, a chat yeah, with you. I think that, that yeah, I think that would be it. a good tripartia@gmail.com. As well. Okay. I, I, um just to put a caveat there that i hope to maybe a year or two ago i used to be available to be able to speak to every single person who wanted to speak to me yeah. the reality is that currently with the, the way things are in terms of my diary the fact that i still hold a full-time um, nhs job mm. it's been pretty difficult to meet that need yeah. but what i can do is sometimes i send posts to other people Okay. I will usually be able to offer one support or the other. It may not be one to one. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thank you so much. At least they can if they can email you at the tripod care. Yeah, they that would be helpful. Yes, and then you can show them the way. <laughs> thank you so so much. I really really appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy person, so thank you for honoring this invitation. I'm really grateful and I've actually enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a lot of things. So, going to cut out my sugar. <laughs> Oh, and the high calorie stuff in my diet to help my mental health. Thank you so much Dr. Taiwo and hopefully we'll have you on this show again sometime soon. Thank you. Thank you for having us uh, for having me and thank you for uh, opening an opportunity to speak about mental wellbeing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. God bless. It's been navigating the chapters of challenge with Telly. I hope you found that useful. I hope you've learned something and um I hope you're going to implement whatever you've learned in your life as well. And um hopefully you'll be with us again sometime soon. Thank you very much and um see you soon. Thank you.